Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Tennessee Power Hour is here, Friday edition. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. As we broadcast from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Brewing and Old Smoky Distillery. They had the big uh, moonshine delivery uh, earlier here today. Some of the ingredients where they have the, the distillery back uh, behind us. Uh, it was Thanks. a... Uh, trucks and trucks of vats of uh, ingredients. So um, no better delivery than a moonshine delivery. I've said that for years. Huh? Yeah. So if you're uh, in we town, you can today. see how it's made. They have the distillery right here on site at Sixth and Peabody downtown. Austin Price with VolQuest.com. Uh, he and Brent join us weekly at this time as we get into the Tennessee Volunteers athletic program, and we always talk football. Just Austin today as Brent is off uh, doing some. Other duties for VolQuest.com this afternoon. Austin, hope you're doing well, man. How are things? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Tell us what's going on internally with the Tennessee quarterback job right now. Not not what they have said about Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. What do you think they're saying privately about the two based on last week? Well, I think that, you know, they don't want to give up on Joe Milton. And so I think that's why, you know, they tried to keep him, you know, as much engaged as possible this week. And, you know, in reality, he's not done a whole lot. Um, and, you know, it's been the kind of Hendon Hooker show at practice each day. And so, you know, I think you'll see if they both can go as far as Joe being able to go. If, if Joe can go, you will see both play Saturday. If not, it'll be Hendon Hooker and then Harrison Bailey. But maybe multiple quarterbacks are going to play. Um and, and right now, if Joe can't go tomorrow, then he probably ain't going – or at least he won't start at Florida a week from now. Can, can you teach accuracy at this point and touch with a quarterback? Or is it beyond reach with Joe Milton? And has this staff seen flashes of him at least being able to connect with a deep pass? Because just in the games right now, Austin, it, he hasn't shown any ability to do that. No. I mean, and you would think law of averages, Chad, you're going to hit one of those deep balls. Um, but no, not to this point. Uh, I think that's something you can fractionally get better at. I'm not sure that you all of a, you all of a sudden master having touch. Um, you know, because, I mean, look, him throwing the ball looks so effortless. I mean, you know, you go back to the one where he overthrew Cedric Tillman. Chad, did it not look like he knew, hey, I've got to put a little air under this, and he tried to not throw it as hard? And it still went like forty-seven yards. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I, I think he knows. It's just a matter of it just not happening. Well, let's let's talk about Hendon Hooker now and what you saw from him because, you know, the kind of the rap on him in spring was he wasn't always the most accurate quarterbacks, and we saw that flash a couple times where I don't know if he was trying to throw it out of harm's way or what happened, but he threw it way out of bounds uh, to some guys when he's just trying to hit the quick hitter. But he did also show a little bit of touch at times, and he brings what I think is a better ability to run into the offense. So overall, what did you make of Hendon Hooker's day against Pitt? 
you're right. Um, you know, he, he had the, the one fumble. Um, Got to protect the ball a little bit better. Uh, the, the, the pick, I thought, was a bad pick. Um, you know, and then, of course, he had the old, uh, you know, mocks from Varsity Blues where he knocks the guy off the horse throw uh, when he threw it, like, to the third row at one point. But outside of those three, I mean, plays, I mean, I thought he played really well. He did throw it with much better touch than, than, than Joe has thrown it with. Um, and, and he does give you that extra dynamic. It's not Josh Dobbs, but it's Dobbs-esque um, with his ability to uh, make plays in the open field. And I do think that, honestly, that hurt him in fall camp, guys. When you're in that red jersey and you can't showcase that portion of your game, like I, I think that hurts your ability to, you know, win the job or show the, the staff fully what you can do. Austin Price with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Austin Priceless. Harrison Bailey is all the talk of fans. Where is he in the pecking order on Saturday? Well, it depends on Joe Milton, but, you know, I mean, he's currently setting third overall and, uh, you know, is is one that, you know, uh, the fans, that that's just a struggle, man. I mean, like the, the fans – you know, they look at it and, and all they can see is what he was ranked at the end of the recruiting cycle. He was a four-star for the longest time. They win 7A in, in the state of Georgia, and he gets his fifth star. And it, it, it really just put just terrible expectations on the kid. I mean, everybody, you know, all of a sudden morphed into feeling like this kid's riding in on the, the white horse to save Tennessee's football program. And that's really not fair. Um so, you know, he's still progressing. He's still getting better. He just – he's not consistent. And, you know, uh, when you find me a, a, a coach at any level of football, especially high school, college, or in the NFL, that will play a kid that doesn't practice well and start him, especially at the quarterback position, then to me you found a unicorn at that point because there, there's just not any coach out there that's going to do that. And he doesn't practice consistent enough to be the guy to me he's what he's got to do is he has to find a way into the football game by a poor play from someone in front of him or an injury from someone in front of him and then take advantage of that opportunity is there anything austin that hendon hooker can do against tennessee tech that would make him the guy next week in florida or are they playing both you know that's a question for josh heupel i I, you know i I think that, you know, if if Joe can't play tomorrow and, and you know, I just have a hard time believing he starts at Florida. And then, when, you know, if Hooker gets to start at Florida, he'll have the chance to be the guy, much like Joe's yes. been yep. the guy. Yep. You know, they only went to Hendon Hooker when Joe got hurt, not because Joe overthrew 33 receivers in a row. <laughs> you know, they, I think they were trying to stick with – they were trying to give Joe – let him play play his way out of the funk, you know, continue to play through it. Um, and, and it's kind of like a shooter in basketball. Like, you, if you're in a slump, you got to shoot your way out of it, man. Just going over and sitting on the side is really not going to do anything for you. Um, and so, it, it's, I think they want to let their, their quarterbacks play through it. You guys mentioned at VolQuest that uh, this game maybe provides a chance for Willie Martinez to, to try some new wrinkles. What's your best guess as to what some of those might be for them to expand? 
Well, I, I think that they'll try to play Kamal Haddon. They'll try to play Brandon Turnage. It, it, it's safety. Christian Charles is going to get a, a lot more run, Paul. Um, you know, same thing with, you know, some of those younger safeties as well. Uh, you know, Tamarion McDonald's a guy that, you know, I think Tennessee wants to continue to slide in there. The secondary has got to have more depth going forward. Um, you know, and, and, you know, these kids have to have reps on the field to, to earn the trust of Willie Martinez and Tim Banks. So I think Saturday goes a long way to kind of seeing, uh, not the Tennessee Tech's any kind of real barometer, but like, how do you line up? What what mental mistakes do you make in the football game? Those type of things are what they're looking for to see, you know, hey, can I trust this kid at the swamp? Can I trust this kid at Missouri in two weeks? You know, when, when they come back home for South Carolina or Ole Miss. I think that's what they're looking for out of some of these young DBs. They've got to be uh, deeper at that position. And, you know, they definitely have the bodies there. It's just about the trust from the coaches. Austin, before we talk about the current team and, and moving forward, I do want to sort of shut the book on on Pitt and ask you just your broad takeaway from a game where it's difficult to know exactly what Tennessee is because they look really good at times. They played a good team down to the wire, but they repeatedly shot themselves in the foot also. Three turnovers to none for Pitt, all the penalties, everything else. When you come away from that game, what's the biggest takeaway about this Tennessee team and maybe what you learned about them in that game? Well, I learned that Tennessee uh, has, you know, got a team that's going to continue to fight, Chad. Um, you know, they, they continue to, you know, really battle last week, um, you know, more so than, you know, at any point last year. And – you know, when you look at where they were a year ago, they would have mailed that game in, lost by three or four scores, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, uh, they battled. You look at all they that went against them last week, and, and some of a good portion of it was self-inflicted, the overthrows, self-inflicted, the turnovers, three to zero, self-inflicted. Um, you can't control players being out. Um, you know, you, you can't control – other things, um, but the, the penalties self-inflicted. And, and Tennessee lost that game by seven and had the ball twice in the fourth quarter driving, trying to tie the football game. You know, um, I, I, that for me, like, I, I took a lot of positives out of it because a year ago that game they lose by three or four scores. Positive is the right word to describe Josh Heupel. The, the guy has always got a sense of positivity about everything that he does. Um, when you look at Josh Heupel and, and his comments, some, some of them this week, Austin, uh, is that more of him having a, an issue or a problem with their preparation last week against Pitt? Or is this just sending the message about having consistent preparation as you get ready for a really bad Tennessee Tech team? Well, no, I think that he was very frustrated with some of the, some of the players last week for being late to stuff, late in the week. Um, that type of thing. So I think more than anything, that's what he's been preaching all week's accountability. Hey, how you handle yourself 36 hours before kickoff can directly affect how you handle yourself on game day. And that's kind of been the, the, the battle cry all week. If, if you want to go that route of just, you know, Hey, you, you have to do the little things like, you know, it, it's all a process. As he said the other day, um, 
when I asked him, I said, when, when you were a player, did you want to just get back to the game field or did you want to get to the practice field after a loss? And he said, players want to play. And, and he's right, you know, but he went on to acknowledge you have to do all the other little things throughout the week to get to the game. So it all works hand in hand. But, um, you know, I, I think he was just frustrated with some of the uh, the decisions and maybe some immaturity of, of you know, nothing like nothing that's a real big deal, but little things that they want to clean up going forward that they don't want, you know, players to be, you know, okay with being late to stuff. Okay. With, you know, not being on point and dotting all I's and crossing all T's. So I need to follow the sword here. Um, I read. Yes, uh, you do. I've been reading the text. Austin, <laughs> you, you, you sent me a text during the show today as, as we're doing the show here at Sixth and Peabody, and I read it wrong. I thought you, you sent me a text that said, Hubs can't do longer or can't do today, and you said can, and I read it wrong, and I just assumed Hubs wasn't joining us after uh, we had uh, oh, discussed this earlier in the week. Hubs has been in the waiting room. Why he's been sitting in the waiting room, I I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm glad of his patience here. But Brent Hubs is on the Zoom chat now, I believe. Hubs, are you there, and how uh, angry are you with us right now, or me specifically? Well, I mean, I, I went and put on a, a, a collared shirt today. <laughs> Austin apparently is dictating my schedule with what I'm going to do and I'm not going to do. And That's uh, what happens I, when been, you have a secretary. I, I, I mean, I, I've been sitting yeah. in some mysterious virtual waiting room for um, – <laughs> I mean, I feel, like, I feel like I've been sitting through a, a three-and-a-half-minute – CBS television break during a 3.30 <laughs> college football game. <laughs> or a college football halftime show. Let me pile on, if I may. <laughs> sure, Since go ahead, we've Bob. got you in a vulnerable spot. <laughs> Earlier this week, I, I, uh, I, I put forth my theory that Brent and Brett are pretty much the same name. Your thoughts? <laughs> it's like the end suddenly silent or something? I mean, what does that mean, Paul? It's just the same difference. <laughs> Well, okay, well, let's just let's just add an A to yours, and you'll be Paula for the rest of the hour. How's that? It's a it's a different to each, letter. To each their own. He wanted to name uh, Chad's firstborn Paula. Believe well, it or it's, not, it's yeah. it's well, also. Pauline. I mean, this is real disrespect for Brent Hubs that we it's have to apologize I, for because I, I've gone back to read the text from well, Austin, and I. I read it wrong. Let I, me say we're also yeah. talking. Speaking of piling on, his Gibbs ahead, Eagles Gibbs last Jordan. night lost oh, on television, no, come on. and wow. Austin Price <laughs> was on the call of it. <laughs> and we go to Austin, not Brent. I mean, this is just salt <laughs> on the wound right now. Yeah, we owe you. We'll give us some moonshine. Yeah, we got we got a lot of salt. We got a lot of salt in that one. <laughs> Thanks. After last night, I need a lot of that. <laughs> Coming up, uh, Brent Hubs yeah, and we'll Austin Price. No, no, uh, let's, just, let's just make yeah. the promo. Brent Hubs, when we come, the godfather of University of Tennessee I'm coverage, back Brent in the Hubs. holding room? Is that what's going to happen yeah. now? Yeah. Three We're and a half minutes. Austin we, could go sit in his car with his seatbelt on some more. But this is the driving. difference. This is the difference between. <laughs> Get in your car seat. This yeah. is the difference between Austin and Brent. Just in case Austin Austin's car starts rolling, he's got to have that seatbelt on. This is the difference personality austin would have hung up and he's probably already hung up now um he would have hung up two minutes in to brent's wait time hubs finally sent a text he waited like eight minutes and then finally sent a text like oh by the way i'm in the waiting room guys so uh again brent hubs and austin price with us we will talk tempo when we come back i brought up earlier this week there's good and bad with this tennessee offense and it's all about one word 
tempo. That's straight ahead on Outkick 360. FallQuest.com is the website. That's where you can find both Brent Hubs and Austin Price, unlike the first segment of Outkick 360's Tennessee Power Hour today. Yes, Brent. Did you guys ever see that Seinfeld episode where they're at the Chinese restaurant oh, and course. like they can't get a table? That's been the last 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> I'm George Costanza today. Thank you very much. Oh. Paul, your thoughts? Uh, Cartwright! <laughs> <laughs> table for three, Cartwright! I, I, I am going to – here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to redirect now. I'm going right is, – is Austin even still on with us? Or did I, he I think off? he's there. Unless okay. He's... Well, I'm going right to Brent. Austin, I don't even care what you think about the answer to this question, all right? <laughs> this, is, this question is for Brent Hobbs, who just kindly waited in the waiting room for us to go to him with any question about Tennessee football. Um, here's my question, Brent. Running back rotation right now. Uh, with Jabari Small probably going to rest and, and get ready for Florida next week, uh, is Tyon Evans back this week? And the main question I have here, is D. Beckwith still a part of this football team? And is he going to factor in at all at running back in this game against Tennessee Tech? He is still a part of the team at this point. I don't know where he factors in. He's buried down the depth chart. But they have to find somebody else um, at the running back position. And, and this is a game where they got to find and see what they have uh, with some young guys at various spots, and running back as being one of those. They clearly did not have the trust, Austin, in the second half after Jabari Small couldn't go and Tyon Evans was out. They didn't have trust in anybody other than Jalen Wright, which is why he played every snap of offense in the second half when they had a running back on the field. I'm not saying you go into a game saying, hey, we got four backs and we got to get all these guys carry, but you have to have a fourth guy that you have some trust in in case you get into a situation, you got to go further down your depth chart. Oh, you're 100% right about that. And, and when you think about, you know, that, you know, they just haven't played Laneith Whitehead to this point through two games. Um, and, 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 you know, they've not been able to, you know, kind of get any traction there with any of the other guys. It is a bit of a head scratcher. I think Whitehead plays a lot coming up tomorrow. I, but Tyon Evans will play in this football game. He's practiced all week. I'm not sure why Coach Heupel said that, you know, he's not been cleared. I mean, because he had no injury. Uh, we all know why he missed last week. Um, and, you know, that's something you don't, you don't have to be cleared from. You either get to the point where you can return or you can't. And since he's been around the team practicing, you can. Guys, staying on offense, um, two guys that, that I think probably excited Tennessee fans, at least excited me watching them on Saturday. Jimmy Callaway and that touchdown on the screen pass, when you take that still, still shot of where he catches it and how he's pinned up against the sideline and somehow scored a long touchdown on that, it, it's, it's exciting to see that level of explosiveness with a Tennessee receiver. And the other one is, is Jacob Warren, uh, who I thought really acquitted himself well in that game. Brent, we'll start with you on this one. What did you make of both those guys and just pass-catching options as a whole for this team? Where is Tennessee right now? Well, I mean, I think the, the emergence of the tight ends helps them um, give them some more weapons. My biggest takeaway from those guys was the fact that schematically they got those guys open. I mean, Jacob Warren, they get him open in the middle of the field because they schemed some stuff up. Now, the, the touchdown pass he had was a great throw by hooker, great ball location, uh, you know, on a, on a solidly designed play. The other one was, was clearly a schematic thing to get Warren open in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, Callaway's a guy that 
um, showed a lot of quickness and speed. I, you know, I think that's kind of his game. Uh, we'll see how he further develops as he gets healthy. But there's no doubt that you come away with this game from that game if you're playing the positive side of it. Um, that that those are a couple of weapons, the tight end position, and in Callaway are two guys that you think, hey, they can help this team moving forward because of what we saw uh, on Saturday against Pitt for sure. Austin, start with you, and then we'll get Brent's thoughts. Um, I mentioned earlier this week my takeaway from Pitt, and look, it was a close game, but there were times in that first half where they're going so fast. The the, the Tennessee offense, I'm thinking, slow it down and get just run a little clock and get a breather on the sideline for your defense. Otherwise, this is going to get ugly. Now, it didn't, but I thought that was a typical game that could get away. And you, you alluded to that earlier, and you took some, some positives away of the fact that it didn't. Is this offense capable of sustaining a long drive? Like, it, it, Where do you view it right now versus what they need to do when SEC play rolls around? Well, I think their long drive would be one of some of Hooker's drives a week ago where they did go slower. You know, I mean, Brent pointed this out right after the game and talked about it a good a bit um, in the de- in the days after the loss to Pitt was just the difference in speed with Hendon Hooker in. Part of that, you know, I, I was a bit puzzled by it just because, I mean, he was here all spring. So, like, why did they go slower? Like, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, he's, the, you know, unaccustomed to, you know, going fast. They, they tried to go that fast tempo in the spring. But, you know, I think what they did in the second half, you know, isn't the pace that maybe Josh Heupel wants, but I think it's still a good pace. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that's about as slow as they're going to go. Like, I, you know, late in the game, I'm sure they can milk it down to zero when they're trying to run the clock out. But, you know, any time between kickoff and five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I think they're going to be trying to, to go fa- as fast as they can. Well, they, they here's what Josh Heupel believes about tempo. He believes tempo is another playmaker for him in his offense. You know, we just talked about the tight ends. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, Jimmy Callaway and those things. He believes that the tempo is another weapon and is another playmaker for them. If they hit a couple of those deep balls in the first quarter and they no blitzed doubt. them 21 nothing, th- then the tempo is absolutely working. They got pit two or three times with too many men on the field. He sees that as a weapon. Now, does it make it hard on the defense? Absolutely. No question, uh, particularly when you don't make a first down because your three and out takes about 45 seconds off the clock. Uh, but he he is committed. Josh Heupel has long been committed to using tempo to his advantage, similar to what Chip Kelly did at Oregon for years. Austin's right. If they need to slow it down at times, I think they can slow it down and kind of run a, a four-minute clock and, and milk a game away a little bit. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see them – say, you know what, we need to protect our defense and, and we're going to – they're establishing their identity and who they are, and Josh Heifel wants to go fast all the time. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. I, I enjoy the tempo, but there are times uh, in the first half when it when they didn't hit on those big plays and I felt like Pitt was about to run away with it. And again, they didn't. But the feeling at the time that I jotted down was, man, a four-minute drive, even if they end up punting, could be a win for this offense right now to just sustain a possession instead of, like you're saying, go three and out in 45 seconds and give it right back to a very talented quarterback in a pit offense. I, I realize that he, he views it as a sin, and he says absolutely not. I'm just intrigued by the mindset and the mentality of that when you face a, maybe a tougher offense that is capable of adding points to a scoreboard quickly. 
No, I, I understand it, and, and I think the point's there. I, I just know where his mindset is, and you look at what the detriment was in the first game against Bowling Green. It didn't matter because it was Bowling Green, but I think Tennessee ran seven snaps in the second quarter, the entire second quarter. That, that's all they got offensively because they couldn't make a first down to start a drive and stay on the field. So uh, I think that's why the stat of that first first down is such a big one uh, for this team and this offense when they get the football to start a drive because that's the only way that they're going to A, get in a rhythm, B, burn a little clock because they're going to go fast. And if it's three and out, it's going to be way super fast. Austin, we're, we're, I know you're about to, to bolt on us for a, another assignment. Hubs is sticking with us for another five minutes or so. Your final thoughts as uh, you head into the weekend and what you want to see from Tennessee and Tennessee Tech tomorrow. Just stay injury-free. I mean, you know, I, this is one of those games where Tennessee – I mean, Furman shut out Tennessee Tech a week. Tennessee's not very – Tennessee Tech's not very good at quarterback. Um, Tennessee should win this game rather handily. And, you know, uh, I think it's just kind of stay injury-free um, and then continue to kind of build depth. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, let's see how – you know, those corners and safeties, those young corners and safeties, how they, they do, how they get graded out coming out of this game. Do they mentally – are they mentally able to handle themselves to where Willie Martinez and Tim Banks say, hey, we can count on them or we think we can count on them a week from now or two weeks from now, um, that type of thing. I, that's the biggest thing is just stay relatively healthy because this team's just real thin. They, they just can't – they can't afford injuries. Thanks, Austin. Brent, I, I'm just wondering, uh, to put a bow on, on the pit game, everybody knew that was going to be the, the most telling of these three games before you get into SEC season. Your subscriber base, the uh, city of Knoxville, everybody say, well, we're going to have to wait longer because of the way that game was, that it didn't offer any kind of definitive answer. Uh, you know, I think that the, there was, as the weeks went on, as the week has gone on, there's been some people kind of looking more towards glass half full and, and, and kind of pulling away some positives from it, some things that they saw in the game that they like. As we talked about the tight ends, we talked about uh, Callaway, um, some things on defense, you know, Theo Jackson's continued play. But, you know, for the first day or two after the game, it was much about um, – the fourth and one call, not getting under center on fourth and short, um, and, and not being able to execute there, not, not getting off the field in a couple of third down situations defensively, lack of pass rush there. And then obviously the rest of the week has been about the quarterback situation and what are they going to do? Who's going to be the quarterback for this team? Why are we not seeing Harrison Bailey? I mean, there, there's a pretty good debate, divide, whatever you want to call it, in, in kind of what quarterback camp fan X and fan Y are going into. And uh, there's a lot of people wondering why you haven't seen Harrison Bailey. There's a lot of real concern about whether or not Joe Milton can elevate his game and perform. Uh, and then Hendon Hooker did some good things, but obviously turned it over. So the, the most dominating conversation for Tennessee fans is here we are again, another year where you're not getting good enough quarterback play to win. So, Brent, if I think about something specific I want to see from Tennessee against Tennessee Tech, the thing I keep thinking about, turnovers. Tennessee is minus five turnovers through two games, and they've yet to get a turnover on defense. 
Does Byron Young finally playing maybe help in that? Obviously, Tennessee Tech could help in that department. But Byron Young getting pressure, is that something that can help Tennessee? And and is that – if you're, I, I don't know what is important other than getting out of this game healthy and, and winning big, but is that something you're watching in this game? Well, no doubt. I mean, I, I think Tennessee has got to find a way. Now, let, let's put a big, put a big qualifier on everything here. You don't want to make an overjudgment coming out of this game um, if suddenly they force three turnovers because you got you got to understand the competition that they're playing. But but this team to force turnovers is going to have to get some pressure with four defensive linemen and not have to bring a blitz every time. Uh, basically, the only way they're getting home against Pitt is they got two sacks. Both of them were on blitzes. Um, you know, they never forced Kenny Pickett uncomfortable when Tennessee was playing zone behind them in the secondary, which is typically where more of your interceptions come from is in a zone defense versus man-to-man. So can Tennessee find a way to generate a pass rush where they can play some zone behind them, particularly in third long situations, which they've not been able to do. The hope is that Byron Young can provide that. I think it's important to get his feet wet this week and, and kind of get him going uh, before you head into the Florida game uh, to hopefully you can create some pass rush that you've got Byron Young on one side, Tyler Barron on the other, and maybe you can get to the quarterback, which you've just not been able to do with, with a front four. Brent, we will not see the Vols back at home until October the 9th against South Carolina after tomorrow's matchup against Tennessee Tech. There's been talk this week about attendance at Neyland Stadium to begin the season. Is there too much chatter in regards to who's not there so far? Well, I mean, I think it's a story because you're not, you know, it was a pretty big game last week. I know it was a noon start, but that was a pretty big game, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a full house by any stretch of the imagination. I think everybody around the country, for the most part, is dealing with that a little bit. I know, you know, at Ohio State, because Oregon was there, I'm sure they were filled up pretty well for that one. And, and some other spots, it's, it's pretty good. But I think the challenge right now is because Tennessee's not been very good, because there was some comfort that was created a year ago by not going to the game and watching it on TV, then I think you got some people who are going, yeah, you know what, I'm not sure it's worth the hassle to go. You know, and, and that's why you're seeing Tennessee t- talk about a lot of fan amenities. How can we help that? What can we do better? Uh, that's a big part of what Danny White's talking about moving forward. Because I think the challenge for everybody at any kind of sporting venue setting is how do you sell tickets? How do you battle the man cave and the 70-inch television that you can now get for $300 on a you know, Black Friday Christmas sale? Um, th- that, that's a hard challenge right now. Okay, am I going to drive seven hours to a game or am I going to stay home, um, have the ability to watch five games at one time in my man cave and end up saving a bunch of money uh, on, mm-hmm. on football games? I think that's the hard part that every AD and administrator at the college level is dealing with. And, and quite frankly, I think you're dealing with it in some other sports as well. And while we're discussing the stadium, on the facilities front, the state approved the second phase of the renovations to Neyland Stadium. When will all of that occur? Well, you got starting at the end of the final home game this season, you'll start construction movement. Tennessee plans to have, before the start of next season, uh, renovation to the west side and the lower bowl. They're going to do some club seats there. And then in the north end zone, they're going to do a jumbotron in the north end zone and kind of a patio sports bar type setting venue out around that jumbotron. Tennessee's going to end up losing about 4,800 seats, I think, moving some people around. I don't know if they're going to lose all those seats. They're going to have to move some people around that way. 
Um, so that'll change a little bit of the ticket stuff you were talking about. And then on the south end, they're not going to replace the structure of the Jumbotron. They're going to replace the screen on the Jumbotron from a, so it matches the north end from a technology standpoint. Phase two also approves demolition in South Stadium Hall, which has been the biggest hang up, hang up for the renovation of the south end. I don't know exactly when that's going to start. I don't think that's going to be this year, but that phase is already approved. Now, part of that from the master plan of the university is you got to get everybody out of there who's been working in, that, in there for the last 15 years since this whole plan originated with Mike Hamilton. So I don't think you're ready to start the south end at this point, but that's where it's going from here. Brent, quickly, what, what's the weather forecast looking like tomorrow? Is there going to be rain in this game? Uh, overnight rain, but the latest forecast, um, according to the Corrington Doppler, is that uh, we're going to be rain's going to be out about uh, eight eight fifteen in the morning, and so hopefully we'll be dry for for the rest of the afternoon. I think kickoff temperature is going to be mid seventies. Should be a great day. It's going to be overcast, not not huge and bright, sunny and heat, uh, but there is going to be some overnight rain, but it should be out early in the morning. Hey, uh, Chad and I are headed to Gainesville. You say to hit up V Pizza. I'm a fan. Uh, that's actually a franchise um, that uh, they all their uh, ingredients come from Italy. The recipes is handed down from several generations from Italy. Some really good pizza. There's a there's one of those in Jacksonville where the original is. There's one um, in Gainesville. And ironically, there's one in Cary, North Carolina, of all places. Uh, but I nice. hit up the one and I've actually eaten at the one in Cary, North Carolina. It was good. And I hit up the one in Jacksonville when Tennessee was playing. Uh, in one of those tax letter bowls. I, I'm a fan of it. I think I think it's good food. So, um, yes, it would get my recommendation. Chad has just looked this up. I'm already on the website, Brent. You've sold me. I'm ready to go. Now, ready we go. may we may say goodbye here, but we'd like you to spend three minutes in the lobby uh, uh, completing your exit time. Is, is my table ready yet? That's all I need to know, Paul. Is my table ready yet? If you don't mind, there's a, there's a five-minute survey at the end of this call if you don't mind taking it for us, Brent. We'd appreciate it. Hey, Absolutely, man. Hey guys. Appreciate you. Thanks. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. All right. All right. Yeah, Thanks, you Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com has been our guest. Uh, very patient Brent Hubs today. Yeah. And I'm, again, my apologies to right both Austin and Brent. He's the right man for the job out of all of the people. Austin did silly. his part. He tried to give me a heads up that he was leaving early. And for whatever reason, I read that to mean he was the only one on. You know, it's patience. Austin had to get somewhere, clearly. It's yeah. patience. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. With, with a seatbelt. It's patience that allows a person like Brent Hubs to tolerate people like us. <laughs> so thank yes, you for that. Absolutely. Coming up. Titans and Seahawks, the biggest matchups we're paying attention to and how the Titans go on the road and leave with a big road win. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. So if you're curious, hey, I wonder if the wake-up call that the Titans received this past Sunday against the Cardinals, carried over to the practice week where they snapped into it. Based on what I have been told, it has been a very solid, focused week of practice for the Tennessee Titans. Welcome back, OutKick 360. Every week is. Um, yes. Uh, I, I think uh, there is a renewed sense of um, urgency. Vigor. Yeah, urgency. I, I'm curious to see how Seattle comes into this game. They have won 12 straight home openers in this stadium. It is not an easy place to play, 
And this will be the loudest venue the Titans have played in since at, uh, since at least Arrowhead at the AFC Championship game in 2019. I mean, it's been a while. Um, there are a lot of different varying factors of this game that I'm intrigued by, Paul. What, what's first, what's top of mind to you? Well, just speaking to your point about the noise, there were a lot of questions this week about silent count. Uh, because they haven't had to run silent count sometimes. Last, last year, obviously, noise at stadiums was not a big issue because stadiums were at reduced capacity. Mike Vrabel said, uh, yeah, it's like riding a bike, but you're going to fall off the bike uh, probably a couple times. So that'll be an interesting issue. Um, you would suspect if, if Seattle wins the toss, it defers, Titans open with the ball against a very loud crowd. Um, Don't how do, burn how timeouts do, on defense. <laughs> yeah, and how do they, how do they handle, um, how do they handle the, the incredible noise is going to be part of the story of, of this game. And uh, they've been very good at that in the past. They need to be very good at it again. Chad, you're intrigued to see how this team responds after a week of chatter following the butt kicking they received against the Cardinals. A lot of talk. A lot of talk from this team that's 0-1 after getting destroyed. Uh, in the first game. Uh, Some of that talk coming from A.J. Brown on Twitter about our discussion yesterday about his tweet about loving everyone and everybody doing their best. Uh, He tweets us and says, Look, you three clowns. Yes, I called you a clown because y'all have a lot to say and never played a sport in your life but knows everything somehow. I do not tweet about my job or my team. You can be negative. That's fine. But stop trying to make something out of my tweets. David Reed said this, and I agree. When you go to the old defense of you never played a sport, that is you admitting that intellectually you cannot hang with whoever you're talking to. (laughs) So there's no intellectual response from A.J. Brown on that. So it's just you three guys who never played a sport. All three of us, by the way, have played sports, not at the NFL level. But when you go to that, that's you saying that you can't. That's right. Paul is an athletic Hall of Famer, A.J., so you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um... I mean, it's it, it, ridiculous. How do you not see Paul it's not also the ridiculous to claim that you don't tweet about your team or your job when you respond to Paul Kuharski, a writer covering your team, with a tweet about your teammate. And in that tweet, you right there, the evidence was there. You're talking about your job, your team, your teammate in that tweet. That tweet was later deleted. This one probably will be at some point. He's got 138,000 followers. They're following him because he's a football player. When the theme of the week is that the team didn't put forth much effort and you tweet out about how everybody's trying their best, it's a logical well, even if it's very broad, connection. even if it's very broad, he's covering the Titans in that broad statement. It's a is very, yeah, it's a very easy dot to dot connection. I just, uh, I don't understand By why, way, why be cryptic and defensive. AJ Brown's not the problem no. with Sunday. I mean, I, we said that yesterday, but the, he's got to be part of the solution with his offense Sunday. No, look, I, I like that AJ Brown's showing some fight uh, on this a little bit. I mean, at least there's there's something there, but. It's a team that's going to have to show a lot more life on, on Sunday. And it's funny with all these things. You know, it's, it's very easy if they go out and he has uh, 150 yards receiving and two touchdowns and the Titans win, it's going to be a lot of, oh, hey, you we guys fired you up A.J. Brown. We he showed you clowns. He showed you clowns. What's up? And then if he doesn't do well, which is also not the case, 
you know, it's going to be easy to come back and say, boy, you know, maybe I say something like, I don't see DK Metcalf Paul, tweeting you, things about positive thoughts and gonna go T-ball out, type tweets. You're going to go out and st- extend your hand so Retro can take a photo of you not extending your hand today? Uh, I don't feel compelled to, to <laughs> say anything. Um, we weren't even hard on the guy. I went back and watched what we said. I don't even remember what we said. I just know that we referenced that tweet. Um, it where, was not. I mean, there was not the. Yeah. It wasn't much there. Um, There's an idea. Don't tweet. They've got to. Well, do whatever. I mean, AJ. AJ's fine. I mean, I, I I don't mind his attitude and mentality and approach to the game. Like, there's. No, we we appreciate the alpha quality. Um, I will say though, I like the the fight in that he's concerned about something and showing that. That is not an alpha mentality. That that's a very uh, delicate rabbit ears mentality. That is not something oh, he there, needs to be tweeting about. There have been rabbit ears this week. They're very sensitive. There have been very sensitive this week. based on based on that. And the first tweet, I'll repeat what we said yesterday that he doesn't like. Very sensitive tweet that media members pick up on a oh bravo amen yes let's all be nice and let you know we're all trying hard and we're just trying our best Remote positivity. i told evie's softball team her t-ball softball team that after the game the other night that's what you tell them <laughs> guys just do your best that's all that matters do your best this is professional football and when you're a professional football player tweeting that yes you're talking about everyone criticizing you and your teammates after a poor performance we're not dumb you're and, not tweeting about something else going on. And we're not holding this team to the same standard that we would hold Jacksonville and expectations. Not standard, expectations. Now, I'll also say I want A.J. Brown to get everyone else going the direction yeah, A.J. To. Brown normally goes. He and Henry. That's what the team uh, needs. Paul, they need play action to work Sunday. Yes, I, I particularly think if play action works, like Bettingfield suggested this, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams are clearly the two best players on this defense. You want them in coverage, not, not coming forward, which is where they do most of their damage, right? Mm-hmm. Not that they're terrible in coverage, but it's where they're least good and least damaging. So get them away from the line. Uh, and you uh, also pointed out uh, at your site that they will likely want Lockett matched up or try to find a matchup with uh, Tyler Lockett and Elijah Molden. They're pretty good at getting the matchups that they want. Based on personnel. Yeah, and Tyler Lockett, obviously Lockett and Metcalf, both very speedy. But if you get Lockett on Molden, Molden's lacking in the speed department. And um, you can get behind him, and that's obviously a place that people are going to want to attack. Christian Fulton was good week one. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, not as good. Hopefully he'll have better footing uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest than he had in the Southeast. Chad and I are going to try pizza and the Spurrier Burger this weekend in Gainesville. What will you be having in Seattle? I'll have... Because you uh, don't drink coffee. I'll have some seafood on uh, Sunday evening for certain. Very uh, jealous of that. Well, we could get some seafood this weekend, Chad. We could. Yeah, but problem no, is... Chad's going to point out that it's not a coastal town. Thank you. Yeah, we could, Hutton, but we're, see, we're, we're landlocked in, yeah. in Gainesville. It's a few hours. They do bring fish eastward. They even bring it to Nashville. I'd, I'd rather have the pizza that uh, Brent Hub sold me yeah. on. You're going to have more than one meal, I'm guessing. David Reed compared this know. airport to uh, well. San Diego, where you fly in in between the city, like right over the top of the city. He says you're going to fly in on the swamp. We'll, uh, we'll be like... Uh, 
the, the gator chomps. That's when Chad will begin doing his gator chomps. Fitting right. tribute during to that, that place landing. that you fly into a swamp. For 10K. The 10K has been raised, by the way. Congratulations to everybody for <laughs> raising that money. <laughs> hey, it's going to be a fun weekend. For the Withrow Foundation. And it's going to be a lively Monday, no matter what happens with the Titans and Seahawks. If they come back 0-2, jam-packed show. If they come back 1-1, one one, there's a lot to discuss there, too, because they answered and righted a lot of wrongs from what happened in week one. We hope you'll join us, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central on Monday. Looking forward to that. Paul, travel safe. You guys as well. Big thanks to Dylan Taylor uh, for helping make the show happen today. Jonathan Moulton, uh, who was in for Jacob Swanson. Uh, and, of course, the chairman of the board sits over to our left, David Reed. We are live tomorrow morning. Live tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, 9 to noon Eastern. And 8 o'clock Central is when we go live from Gainesville. Full college football coverage across the Outkick Network. Looking forward to it, Chad. Let's get after it. Cannot wait. Remember, we're all just trying our best. You've got two days to practice. Not blocking the box. Locking the lock. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.